Kyle Brandt's Basement is brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook. Hello, my friends. Welcome to Kyle Brandt's Basement. It's my co-host, The Ultimate Warrior. I'm Kyle. I'm here with you today. I'm very excited to be here because we have a lot to talk about. Aaron Rodgers is flat out saying the guys on the field are not good. Get them off. The guys who are not on the field maybe should come on. We have to see if Matt LaFleur is going to say anything in response to that because he's continuously being called out by his quarterback really indirectly, but we all see it. Uh, We're going to talk about Tom Brady a little bit. Who knows? This might be the last show we talk about Brady and Rodgers. It might be it for Kyle Brandt's basement. I mean, maybe ever because I don't know if they're going to be relevant the rest of the season and maybe both those guys walk away. I have no idea. Uh, it's the 38th anniversary of the Terminator, the original one. Do you know which uh, NFL Hall of Famer was supposed to play the Terminator before Arnold Schwarzenegger was? We'll get into that. And we, the segment we call Say Anything, at least I just decided we call it that, because you can call up, call the Kyle Brandt's Facebook phone line and just say anything, and we'll respond to it, and we'll listen to your take. Last time, a gentleman called Birdman, uh, or we're calling Birdman, said, why are there bird exhibits in zoos? Who cares about birds? We'll get to that. Maybe he'll call again. But in the meantime, we did the research, guys. Uh, Chris Dudley, Yale man, uh, former New York Nick, you might remember in the NBA, missed 13 straight free throws once. 13 consecutive free throws in the NBA. Skycam, I have missed eight. Eight right here in the basement. This would be nine. So really, like, it's getting to the point where... <laughs> The Dudley family might be to getting together and watching the basements and getting ready to hug and let go of the record being chased. This is like the Marises, and this would make me Aaron Judge of crappy free throw shooting, unless I make this one today. Um, let me have the mic being ready just in case, as if I'm actually going to make it. Here we go. Are you ready? Chris Dudley, I love you. Not even close. Not even close. I short-armed. Let's go back here. I short-armed it, and I miss it. That is nine in a row, four more, and I will miss 13 straight. I'd like to say I bury them in warm-ups, but I don't. The crew can attest to that. In the meantime, let's talk about what I love, what I hate, and what's hilarious, if you please. No football game last night, no football game tonight, but I really love that we have one tomorrow night, especially since this is, I don't know, allegedly a good one. I was reading something about it. Oh, the Amazon Thursday night football ratings are down. All right, well, now you have Tom Brady versus Lamar Jackson. This is one of the ones you put in for. This is why you pay all that money. Um, I like it, too, because think about where the Bucs are right now. Never mind the Bucs. They're a bad team, and they're floundering. It's as interesting more of a Tom Brady conversation in the whole length and whole stature of his career. So he has lost two in a row. He has lost five out of six. I think that's what it is. Uh, Either way, the only win that they have is the one over the Falcons, in which there was that really bad Grady Jarrett roughing the passer call, and we've talked about that a lot. Here's a little stat for you. Uh, Since 2003, the bulk of Brady's career, he has lost two in a row 13 times. 13 times. Following losing two in a row, he's 13-0. It hasn't happened. Okay? He has not lost three in a row since 2003, and in those games, he puts up an average of about 30 points. It's a ton of touchdowns, very few interceptions. He comes correct, and he says, enough of this BS. I don't care who we're playing. I'm winning. I'm not losing three in a row. Does that happen Thursday night? Is he really into that? Is this going to happen? Is this the same Tom Brady magic? I don't know. 
But there's two things going on. There's two coaches who are very well-liked and well-respected, I think for some different reasons in the NFL. We're going to talk about them both here on the show today. One of them is Todd Bowles, who is allegedly the speak softly and carry a big stick thing. Are you going to swing that, Todd? Because if you're looking for an X factor in what in the hell is wrong with the Buccaneers, that's the biggest one in the room by far. By far. There's two. The big one is the head coach. In that last year... We were in an incredible playoff game against the Rams, and we fought back, and there we are in the postseason, and we just came up short. The year before that, we won the Super Bowl. Our head coach is replaced. We have almost the exact same players across the board, and now we can't beat anybody. We can't score more than three points on a crappy rebuilding, burning alive Carolina Panthers team. Todd Bowles, do you have something to say about that? I know he's the quiet guy, and he's respected, but that doesn't make him above criticism, and certainly above calling out like, Hey, the head coach changed. Now you guys can't beat anybody. Anybody. Coach, is it on you? And also, is it on Brady for, in my opinion, muscling coach in there to get that job and muscling Arians out? A lot to be said about that. Some people believe it. Some people don't. I do. But Arians is upstairs, whatever, killing Manhattans or doing whatever he does, and they just can't win a game. I want to see, you know, do you understand that if the Bucks lose this game, which they very well could, because they looked last week like a bottom five team out of 32, if the Ravens, who are good, let's say the Ravens win this game tomorrow night, 31 to 17, what happens? Do we talk about replacing Todd Bowles? What does Brady say? It's a three-game losing streak, a disastrous team. It's just we've never seen this, ever. We think we've seen everything from Brady. We've seen every single note on the field, off the field. We have never seen him just be on a crappy team. Never. We've seen Rodgers be on crappy teams. We have. The last Mike McCarthy year, they were awful. Awful. Lost to Josh Rosen at home at Lambeau Field. I can go through every other quarterback. Roethlisberger has been on crappy teams. All these at Peyton. Peyton really wasn't. But early at the beginning, Peyton didn't really have like a healthy, oh my God, we just went 5-11 season. Not that I remember. But we may be looking at one for Brady. And there's all this pushback about, well, shoot, they could still win the division because the Falcons can't get over the hump and the Saints, eh, and the Panthers or whatever. The Panthers, I don't think they're going to go on a winning streak. I guess so, but you got to beat somebody. It's really strange. And the other thing, I said two things. One reason, new head coach, and then the other reason people point to what's different between last year, this year, all this stuff, Gronkowski's not there. Gronk. And I think some people do it as kind of a joke, and then some people have done do it Seriously, I've seen do it seriously that they say, listen, Rob Gronkowski really needs to look in the mirror and say, I've got some football left and I got to go save Tommy and I'm going to join them. What world are you living in where you think Rob Gronkowski wants to leave his life now, put the pads back on and go jump into the Bucks team, a terrible Bucks team. If they're cruising right now and they're, they're six and one and maybe he comes in in a few weeks when they're nine and two and like a little tune-up and then maybe win another ring, I get it. But if you just want a little refresher about why Rob Gronkowski is not going to join this Buccaneers team, just do yourself a favor when you're bored, go to his Instagram. I did it this morning. I'm like, oh, what's Gronk up to? The first picture is he's in a kitchen with an apron on and he's like, I'm gonna build the cookie Gronk. Like, it's just silly, silly, fun life. And then the next one, he's at a, a concert with Camille and they're both wearing matching white outfits, and they just both look amazing and young and rich and beautiful and healthy and happy. And the next one, he's with Shaq, and they're debating about who has better TV commercials. Do you hear anything there that says, you know what, what I really wish I was doing 
was going to play for Todd Bowles on a really bad Bucks team so I can block Jason Pierre-Paul and Calais Campbell tomorrow night against the Ravens on national TV. No! No! He already did the comeback season where he won the ring with Tommy. He caught two touchdowns in the Super Bowl. It was great. Gronk's not coming back. He's not. It's not happening. And Cameron Brake gets hurt, and he's like, now it's the time. It's not happening. I would, I would stake everything on it. Why would you? They're not good. It's nothing to come back to. If you, they look miserable. He's a party guy. He loves life. He's got a great life. It's not happening. But we see him tomorrow night. Wait till, wait till Take Mountain on Friday morning. Friday morning could be a great, great day in the sports media landscape if the Bucks lose. Or even if they win, because it'll be, here comes Brady. It's going to be awesome. There'll be a lot of Undertaker sitting up gifts if Brady beats the Ravens and looks good. But man, there'll be a lot of other uh, Undertaker ones too, like him throwing mankind off a cage if Brady just gets destroyed. That's tomorrow night. I love that. I love that game and it's Wednesday. Let's get to what I hate. All right, I wish I could go to something happier after the Bucks thing, but I hate the state of the Packers. I was having a conversation this morning with Peter Schrager, my guy in Good Morning Football, and I said to him, I said, do you think, like, for the show and just for content and just the general NFL audience, do you think it's good to watch the Packers completely go down in flames, or do you think it's bad? Good in the sense that, you know, it's different, we haven't seen it before, and if you're rooting against them or if you're anti-Rogers, it's fun. Bad in the sense that they're one of the great characters and one of the great players in this game, and you want them relevant. You'd rather have them than some up-and-coming team, maybe, that doesn't have the star players, if that's how you get down. And Peter said, I, I think it's, be- it's better when they're in it. And we were saying that if you do root against Rodgers and Packers, it's way more satisfying to have them lose in the playoffs again than just, oh, the team fell apart. No, it's much more satisfying people believe in them and they lose. Um, I don't like it at all. I, I like watching Rodgers play. Um, I enjoy the whole Packers thing, whether they lose in the playoffs or not. I, it's like I said, again, it's just one of these characters in the ensemble movie that I think every time they walk into the scene, the movie kind of livens up, and I like it. You know how I feel about young, new teams like the Bengals last year, or maybe somebody this year, Giants or Jets. I like the new characters, but you got to have the hits. you got to have the classic. I like the Packers there. I just hate the state of it. So Rodgers did what he does, which is he goes on Pat McAfee yesterday and just speaks his mind, and the subtlety... <laughs> is getting less and less as the season gets worse and worse for Green Bay. And whereas normally he kind of takes his his little vague um, observations and packages them carefully and gets the message across without swinging a sledgehammer, it's getting way, way more obvious how he feels. For example, he goes on, and I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, but you might have seen it. He says, you know, uh, it's just the, we need to see reps getting cut for the guys who are out there because they're just making a lot of mental mistakes and their reps need to get cut and we need to get other people on the field. It's a paraphrasing, but it's almost exactly what he said, which is a way of saying, look, I'm just gonna say this. Is this thing on in this microphone to this camera? The guys who are out there are not good. They suck actually. And when they're not making mental mistakes, which they often are, they can't get open. And maybe the guys who are on the, on the sideline who aren't playing, maybe they have a prayer of getting open. But everything I'm doing is really hard right now. I've been playing this game a lot longer than you've been playing it or you've been coaching it. And trust me when I tell you, when I drop back to pass, nobody's open and nobody's going to get open. So maybe we should do something a little bit different. Okay, so that's a pretty clear message to me from Rogers. What is the LaFleur response? Matt LaFleur, remember him, he is the head coach. 
not the quarterback coach, not the coordinator. He is the man. The buck stops there, in theory. At some point, don't you finally say, enough with the Aaron stuff, enough. I got to stand up for myself, and I got to stand up for the other 52 guys, because let's understand where this has gone. A couple weeks back, it was Rodgers just saying, we need to change the offense. We need to simplify it. We need to change it. LaFleur's an, an offensive guy. That's his offense. So Rodgers just saying, we got to change it. Got to change it. Fine. All right. Message received. And now he's saying the depth chart we have to change. We have to change the players around the field. Get them off. Get them on. And then he also says something to McAfee about when the players take control of this team. In other words, he's saying, like, it needs to be the players' team. We, we really need to be the ones who are doing this. The coaches, yeah, fine, but, like, it's the players. So you think, if is, how's LeFleur going to handle that? Because it's as, it's as close to Rodgers can come or will come to directly calling out his head coach middle of the season. And what we're doing here isn't working. And what you're doing isn't working. So how does LeFleur handle that? Personally, I would love to have LeFleur come out just once. And when he says, uh, hey, hey, coach, um, Aaron was on the McAfee show this week and he said that the guys who are in the field need to have their reps cut and they need to not play as much. What do you think about that? I just wish he would say, you know, I think Aaron should focus on his job and I'll focus on mine. Next question. Totally justified and I think a lot of people would see it a little differently, respect them a little bit more, and I think one of those people might be Rodgers. Like, Rodgers is, 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 is a mother bleeper. Like, he is there to, to kill and to eat people alive who aren't up to his level. That's why he's who he is. And if Lafleur's not that guy, if he's a beta, it's fine, there's a place for you, but it's just at some point you would love it to, for him to stand up for himself in a way. And maybe the other guys in the locker room, maybe the young players, maybe the young players he's going to be coaching after Rodgers is gone might earn respect for him for down the road. So how's he going to respond? Well, as it turns out, since that, since this morning and since yesterday when Rodgers was on McAfee, LaFleur has had his media session. Rob Domofsky, Packers writer, tweets, this is today, Wednesday. This is LaFleur in response. LaFleur said they addressed accountability today. All right. As for what Rodgers said yesterday on the McAfee show, LaFleur said, quote, I think that what he was trying to get across is just everybody's got to be on top of their game. I don't think that's true, but go ahead. Next, next tweet. Rob Domofsky continues. More Matt LaFleur. Quote, we have to be truthful with one another, and sometimes the truth hurts. I don't think Aaron publicly called out individuals. I just think you have to get to the root of the truth. That gives you the opportunity to learn and grow and blah, 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 blah. Let me correct a few things here. Uh, he wasn't just saying everybody's got to be on top of their game. He just short of publicly called out individuals. You can pull it up, guys. This is not that hard. This is the way it goes. You look at the snap count. You look at the players who are out there, the young players, especially at wide receiver. That's who he's calling out. He's actually saying cut their reps. Romeo Dobbs was out there a lot. He's a really young player. A lot. Amari Rogers was out there. Not as much, but a lot. So he's saying, Matt, he's not saying we all need to be better. He's saying the guys who are out there literally need to have the time on the field lessened. It couldn't be more explicit. But we got our answer in that Lafleur, I guess I understand, is trying to ready the ship. Trying to right the ship, rather. Steady the ship. If he comes out and just lights fire to everything and then he and Rodgers are fighting now, I guess. But the team's going nowhere. The offense is awful. Everything looks very difficult. 
it doesn't matter if they have to get one yard, 100 yards, whatever. They, it just looks so hard to get it. And as a guy who likes Matt LaFleur, I just would like to see him say something emphatic. Maybe even combative. In the scheme of the media and the locker room and everybody, that it can't just always be Rodgers, Rodgers, Rodgers runs this place. But I don't know if he's that guy. I just don't think he is. You know, I, I, I think about my favorite Game of Thrones character was Tywin Lannister. Tywin, the older guy. Charles, Charles Dance, I think his name, the actor was. And I liked Tywin because Tywin was evil to the core. Terrible, terrible, cold-hearted, cold-blooded bastard. But he knew he was. He had no, no delusions at all that he was a good person or anything. Just an awful guy who did what he had to do for the sake of the family. Kill, betray, backstab, anything. Whatever he had to do. He was that guy. And I remember when they had the second prince, not the nice one who ended up jumping off the balcony when his mom burned down the church. Um, and my favorite line ever from Game of Thrones is Tywin when he says, anyone who has to say I am the king is no king. In other words, if you're that guy, people just know. You don't even have to say, I'm the king, or in this case, I'm the head coach. It just seems a little bit like Lafleur's, like, man, I just want to just want to run this offense and be a coach of this organization, but I just don't, I can't handle the Aaron stuff. And Aaron's just going to Aaron. And Aaron was Aaron for a while, for a few years. That was great. But it's falling apart now. The best receiver left, and the guys who are replacing him are these neophytes who don't know what they're doing and are clearly lining up wrong and then can't get open when they do line up. And the season's melting down, coach, and you look like you're going to be a 6-11 and team. So say something. Or just go for the ride and circle the drain. But listen... We'll see how they come out against Buffalo this week. Is this going to be a thing where we just start throwing punches and throwing bombs and saying they're way better and this is the first double-digit spread that Rodgers has ever had against them in his life, so let's just chuck it all over the, over the field and see? Or are we going to try to do the short stuff and maybe shorten the game and run the ball and spin the clock? Because that's not going to work against Buffalo either. I want to see them throw punches. LaFleur didn't want to show any, wouldn't want to throw any punches in the press conference. Let's see if he throws it in the game. Tough times in Green Bay right now. I hate it. Let's cleanse the palate, as we say. Let's get to something that is wildly different. Let's talk about sharks and bears. Let's talk about what's hilarious. All right, so uh, my, uh, my buddy, Bill Simmons, with The Ringer, he does uh, one of his shows, uh, The Rewatchables, which uh, I've been on several times, and they watch one movie, and they just talk about it and dissect it. It's great. It's excellent. So this week, he and Van Lathan did kind of a random one, one of the ones for us, I guess. They did this movie, The Edge, which I've never seen. As far as I remember, The Edge had, was Alec Baldwin and Anthony Hopkins, but the catch for The Edge was there was a giant grizzly bear that they fight. I think that's basically the point of the movie. Is It was like Godzilla, but it, the Godzilla was a grizzly bear in the wilderness, which is aside from what we're doing here right now. What's hilarious is that the question came out, would you rather be attacked by a shark or a bear? And the debate has taken off. I don't know if you've seen it. I certainly have. I've partaken in it. And I will just pose the question to you, thanks to Bill and the people at The Ringer. You have to choose one. You're, you're, you're going to be forced to encounter one. Do you want a shark 
to attack you, obviously in the ocean, or do you want a bear to attack you in the woods? And just for the sake of details, so no one can accuse us of dodging it, we're going to go to the big leagues. We're not going to mess around. This is going to be a great white shark, and it's going to be a full-grown grizzly bear. All right? So none of this Kodiak, black bear, uh, nurse shark, tiger shark. No, no, no. The one from Jaws and the one from the, the Revenant. Got it? Those things are attacking you. Which would you rather have? Now, I weighed in earlier, and hear me out. I said I would much rather be attacked by the bear for a lot of reasons. I, I, I am going to be useless in the water. I don't want any part of being attacked in the ocean. I don't care if it's by a duck. I, I, I don't want, I, I'm done. I, I can't swim in any sort of universe that that thing can. And I can't breathe under the water. So that's... <laughs> I'm playing a road game here. I'm at a massive, massive, massive disadvantage. Not to mention, I think the fear of below the water is paralyzing in a totally different way than that's a giant mammal that's beyond those trees. I can't see that thing. Then there's a dorsal fin. Then I'm going to have a heart attack. Like, I, I just don't want to hear it. We'll get into a little more, but I, I said... Give me the bear. I don't want any part of the shark coming down and pulling me into the water or biting my legs off. Like I, I'm in the dark and I can't breathe. And I, we, we're not playing the same sport here in terms of swimming. It's not fair. Now, as for the grizzly bear thing, listen. Don't start coming to me with these statistics about how fast the bear can run and how it can climb. I know all that. I've seen the same movies. I've seen the same National Geographic things that you have. If I go down, I'm, I'm going down on my turf. I'm going down on earth. I'm going down on the dirt. Give me an opportunity to run and dodge and, and scurry and hide and, and, and climb and crawl and duck over the idea that I'm going to swim. Just give me that. I know that the bear is going to chase me down in a straight line. And I know that it's going to be good on the terrain and the rocks and it can climb and it can claw and can do all that stuff it's a killing machine i've seen the movies guys i know you don't need to tell me and i got people on twitter telling me dude are you crazy it's the it, i'm not crazy i'm just saying these are both awful scenarios right if i'm going to be in one of these i want to fight i'm, I'm going to go down on my own two feet i'm not going to be dog paddling to try to get to the the beach or the boat or whatever that terrible feeling in all the movies where you're fleeing away and oh please don't bite my feet off i'm, I'm going for the bear that's, that's that's it. And also, listen, if I'm around the bear, I got to think like I'm not taking five mile hikes into the wilderness. I have to think that there's something sort of close, be it a car or some sort of domicile that I can run into. Whereas if I'm in the ocean swimming, who knows? I might be a, a 30, 60 second swim away from getting to where I can be. I'm, I'm just not doing it. I'm not. No, I don't care. I don't care if it's a tiny little baby shark. I'm not fighting a shark. I'd rather take the bear. But a lot of people disagree. So um, Kevin Clark is a guy I know. Smart football writer. You probably know him. He's with the ringer as well. I said, I, I said, give me, give me the, the bear. I don't want the shark. Kevin Clark like comes in and it checks me hard. <laughs> he says, with the, with the Brian Windhorse gift, he says, dead wrong. Sharks give up easier. Sharks are borderline losers. Met a few shark attack survivors growing up. No bear attack survivors. Why is that? And he's doing the wind horse thing. 
So, listen, I hear what you're saying. Everybody became a shark expert on this. And we're saying that they give up easier. How do you know? Because you, you know, like you, you had a bong rip in college and watched a little bit of, of Shark Week and they say that they give up easier. We're, none of us are marine biologists. We don't know what the sharks really do. So thankfully, someone else in the media was on my side. Scott Van Pelt, SVP. He jumps in against Kevin Clark and me and he tweets, you're drowning and being eaten simultaneously. No, sir. Bleep that. Van Pelt continues. Bear's gonna be awful. Sure. But maybe I make some crazy noises and he just leaves or it's the Revenant. Worth pointing out, the Revenant, he does survive. It it ain't a picnic for sure, but he does survive the attack of a grizzly bear. And in the Revenant, he makes the mistake of coming across the bear's young and endangering it. And then the bear just goes crazy and he does survive. Granted, like half his face is ripped off and emotionally scarred and everything. Plus, he's like a fighter in the woods and he's got weapons and stuff, which we wouldn't have. But um, here's what's funny. Now, the third man in, Robert Lucetich, Australian guy, journalist you might have read over the years. There's a lot of golf. He comes in on Kevin Clark's side and he comes in with this credibility of being from Australia, A, because there's sharks down there and B, just because Australians are so cool that everything they say we agree with as Americans. Robert Lucetich says, very true, Kevin Clark. He agrees that the sharks are easy. He says, listen, I grew up in a part of Australia where shark attacks are common. Sharks don't like eating humans. Too bony. They usually take one bite and victims die of blood loss, typically. Bears aren't leaving anything. Well, with due respect, Rob, I think you're making my case for me. They usually take one bite. That's one bite too many. And that's going to be under the water where I'm going to be kicking and scurrying and the victims die of blood loss typically. So what you're laying out there is that the shark takes one bite. I somehow pathetically doggy paddle myself to the beach in a pool of blood. My family comes running over. I look down to see my entire right leg is missing. And then I die of blood loss right there on the beach in my wife's arms. That's what's going to happen. That's the win? Wouldn't you just rather have a grizzly just bite your head off? I would. I would way rather have it. Plus, I just like the woods better than the beach. And if I'm going to die there, I'd rather be there. Um, it's It just boils down to two things, three things. I got to be able to breathe if I'm going to win this fight. Um, I don't want swimming to be a factor. And I don't like that I can't see the enemy. All of the three of those factors say I am out on shark. I have read the same things. I have a shark fascination. I really do more than the average person. And they say that if a shark attacks you, you hit it on the nose or you punch it in the gills and that really bothers it and it'll swim away. We got a lot of really tough guys out there in the water who are like, dude, just punch it in the nose. What? Is that something that you've done before? <laughs> like the, you're fully capable of punching someone in the nose? I, I, I can't even carry the recycling out to the curb in the morning. Do you think that while I'm treading water in the open ocean, and a 15, 18-foot great white comes at me with its jaws, I'm going to be like, oh, no big deal. Let me just hit you with the jab like I'm playing punch-out against a bald bull. I, I, I'm not capable of that. I'm not. If, but if you say, all right, Brant, you got one run for your life, and the 800-pound grizzly is coming, show me some moves. Show me something. You're in the woods. You know, you, you, you're, you can still run a little bit, a little bit. Give me some jukes. Give me some duck and cover. Run in a zigzag. Do anything. This is your one shot. 
I'll take that. I'll take that. It's like when Coach Eric Taylor in the last season of, that Smash was on or Friday Night Lights, he was just trying out for this college team and he just he just wasn't doing well and he wasn't tight. And Coach Eric Taylor brought him and he's like, listen, you got one play you're watching right now. Show me the run of your life. Be the Smash that I know you can be in Smash. Like, I got you, Coach. I think I could get to safety. I do. I'm not saying I'm going to beat the bear in a fight. <laughs> I think I could get to my rental car and close the door and piss my pants and drive away. I am taking the bear. If you disagree... At KB. At KB Basement. Give us your thoughts. That's it. Guess what we're moving on to now. Do you have ambitious hiring goals for the last quarter of 2022? With a powerful hiring partner, big goals are no big deal. You need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Join over 3 million businesses worldwide using Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to sponsor your job post at Indeed.com slash basement. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash basement. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A segment I'm just calling Say Anything, in which we open up the phone lines. You can call us. We have an answering machine here with, like, real tape and everything. And if you call it, it's me on the outgoing message. You can barely understand me because it's so scratchy, and we have it from 1986. 252-4-BRANT. 252, the number 4, Brant. my last name. And you leave messages, and we're just going to get into it right now. Um, last time we did this, I mentioned this. There was someone who said, why do they have birds in zoos? And we were really amused by that. There was also a guy who says, I'm too old to go to concerts. So let's get into this right now. Before we do, though, I want to mention there was multiple people who called and left really, really um, thoughtful, touching messages about the war in Ukraine. I don't know if you've seen this, but I'm doing a long documentary piece for NFL 360 about the Ukrainian League of American Football. And it's these men in Ukraine who played tackle football, same style. They have their league there. And when Russia invaded, they took off their football pads and they put on camo and they joined the armed forces and they're on the front lines. And some of them have been killed and it's just the worst things in the world. So I've been working on this documentary. I've shared a few pieces of it. It's been, I think, the most important thing I've ever done. And I don't think it's close. And it'll be out in a few months fully. But a few of you called and left messages about that and just leaving thankful messages, which I appreciate. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. Now, let's get to somebody who talks about zoos and... Uh, who the hell knows what else in football? Again, I said, just give us a take on anything. You got a take on dessert? You got thoughts on shoes? You want to talk about the Falcons special teams? It's you. It's say anything. I have not heard the messages. The staff has. I've not heard any of them. I'm hearing them raw. Let's get to the first one. DJ from Kansas City, what would you like to talk about today? Go ahead. Here's the message. Hey, Kyle. This is DJ in Kansas City. I was hoping you could help me. Uh, figure out whether I am normal or I am fat and I suck. I uh, double dipped okay. uh, going to two separate drive through fast food restaurants. Um, and it's my fault. Normally I get to a local park and throw out the trash before I get home. 
This time I left it in my car and didn't assume that my wife would smell the double dip fast food and um, caught me, basically. So um, I don't think there's anything wrong with going to Taco Bell and getting two soft taco supremes before hitting McDonald's for two double cheeseburgers. Uh, but apparently I, uh, I'm fat and uh, I need help. Um, please let me know what to do. Thanks. It's a lot, DJ. I, I'm not going to just come right out and support you. I don't know if that's necessary. Aren't you pacified by the Taco Bell drive-thru? I hit the drive-thrus often for the children, but also, also for myself and my wife. And the last thing I'm thinking as I'm pulling up to the window of Taco Bell is, I would also really like some McDonald's. <laughs> I'm not thinking about that at all. I'm not thinking about anything. It could be Chick-fil-A or Five Guys or In-N-Out, any, Arby's. I love all those places, but when I'm getting my, my, my hot bag of grease, all I'm thinking about is just stuffing my face with it, and I should have ordered more Taco Bell. That's all. Oh, I should have got seven tacos. I don't know if six is going to be enough. I'm not thinking I want a quarter pounder. <laughs> That's really funny. But I'll tell you this. Here's where I will meet you halfway. My wife and I have a really fun tradition that I'm very proud of, and we only do it every four years. And if that sounds like it's the Olympics, it's because it is. And uh, we have a thing where on the opening ceremonies of the Summer Games only, we have an Olympic feast in which for a couple of hours, I will drive around to every place in our neighborhood and our community, and I will get one little piece of food that represents a country. And when I have collected seven or eight or nine of these, I bring them back to the kitchen and we watch the opening ceremonies of the Olympics in which the teams walk into the arena representing their country and holding their flags. And we eat different foods that come to those countries. So what do I mean by that? I will go and listen, some of it's a little tacky and it's our American version of the food, but just bear with me. I'm trying to do a fun thing. All right. I'm not insulting anybody's heritage. So what, I'm, what I mean by that is I'll go to uh, a sushi restaurant in our town and I'll buy whatever, a, a roll, six little pieces. That's it. Just six little pieces and I'll take that back. And then we, ha we eat that in honor of the Japan, the J Japanese influence. And then we'll go to anything. We could go to like a Colombian restaurant and you'll get one little appetizer. And then we'll go and get some Italian wine. And then you get really stupid stuff like... America, it's Ben and Jerry's, and um, you get a German beer, and then you get uh, like a, a Italian food. And so we like line them all up, and it's our Olympic feast. And when that country comes in, now there's a lot more countries than foods we have, but we kind of enjoy it. And it's so fun. It's unbelievably fun. And like if you can find one that's a little bit niche, like there's a, there's a community that's, that's really close to us that has a lot of restaurants representing tiny little countries that you wouldn't normally see restaurants for so there's like a, a latvian restaurant and we got this dish from latvia and then we ate it and it's like italy's easy right you can find a french baguette to eat and you can find a mcdonald's for america but if you can find trinidadian food that wins it so i don't do the taco bell and the mcdonald's i don't judge you for doing it i would just it is a little strange it's it's like um you're sitting there like at the ice cream place and you're like, man, I could really, really use, uh, I don't know, like another dessert. Like I, I wish we could go afterwards and get like some donuts. I'm not thinking about donuts when I'm at the ice cream place and vice versa. But 
that's you. And bag hiding is always the smoking gun of any embarrassing thing you do in your marriage. You got to be better about that. So that's uh, DJ from Kansas City. Next up, this guy is is becoming infamous amongst the Kyle Brandt's basement staff. It's Birdman. And I don't think he says his name here, but the staff has matched the phone number with Birdman last time who called in and said, hey, at zoos, what's the deal with the birds exhibit? No one wants to see birds at a zoo, which is funny and true. It's kind of like going to the zoo to see squirrels. <laughs> Here's the squirrel enclosure. Look at how they scurry and run up the, the hills and run up the trees and collect acorns. So this is Birdman. Let's see... Of all things, why would he call the basement and leave a message about this? Go ahead and roll it. Hello. Hey, the Charlie Brown Halloween special is kind of crazy because, like, five adults put a rock in Charlie Brown's bag, and then Linus's parents let him sleep alone in a pumpkin patch until, like, 2 in the morning. So I don't know what kind of neighborhood the Peanuts kids were living in, but it's pretty hardcore. That's good. It's good. And we didn't even talk, or Birdman, excuse me. If you want to start rounding up the Peanuts parents in terms of accountability and in terms of someone maybe inspecting how they're raising their children, there's this kid who goes around town and as he walks through the school or the park or the skating rink, there is an actual physical cloud of dust around him and flies. And they just call him Pigpen. That's his name, which now would be targeted as bullying. But I don't think Pigpen even minds. Or he's just sort of comatose and it's just like, this is me and these are my flies and my parents never wash me and they never wash my clothes. And they've even started calling me Pigpen. In fact, they named me Pigpen and that's my proper name. And I hear you on the Halloween thing. Um, the, the idea that the parents would be in cahoots, that when this dude comes by, go out in your yard first and get him some rocks. It'll be funny. How old's Charlie Brown, you think? Is he nine? I don't know. That's probably an easy Google. I think maybe he's 10, 11. I don't know how old Charlie Brown is. But there's this kid who's going to come around and just put a rock in his bag. It'll be so funny. I don't even know how they communicated that. Because when that special was going on, you're not doing the text chain. You're not doing... You'd have to do like what you used to call a chain letter. Wasn't there a thing called chain letters? They must have sent it around or they must have all met uh, at some point and decided, here we go. Charlie Brown's age is neither normally specified nor consistently given. His birthday occurs in the strip published on October 3rd. Oh, wow. Okay, so it says he is four years old in the one published on November 3rd, 1950. He ages very slowly in the strip's floating timeline, eventually setting it around eight years old. All right, so I think it's fair to say Charlie Brown's eight-year-old kid. My son is eight years old. If my son was going to go around our town, and not one, but like... The majority of parents said, oh, here's the Brant kid. Remember, we agreed. Give him a rock. That, that is not only is he going to be furious and sad and confused. I have to go address someone. I may have to punch someone. That, like, gets to Huffington Post fast. The Charlie Brown parents who give them a rock would be on HuffPo in an instant. Neighborhood bullies eight-year-old. And it would be, like, the headline would be, like, rock bottom or rock candy, and it would be a huge story, and there'd be reporters doing their setups on the corners outside the school about the little boy who was bullied by giving rocks. That's an unbelievable thing. So yeah, I personally don't like the Charlie Brown specials that much, 
I think Charlie Brown is this, this kind of miserable, pessimistic, negative, self-loathing kid. Maybe it's because he gets all the rocks for Halloween. Who knows? But that was a good call. I like this. Again, that's, I'm just going to name it this. Say anything. Call up. Say anything you want. We had, can you get two fast foods in one run? And what would you think about the parents and the Charlie Brown pumpkin? It's fantastic. That's say anything. Um, let's go, though, to something else. And I want Pepper's thoughts on this. Let's get to what we call brand awareness. Let's get back to sports. Go ahead. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Uh, Pepper, I know you like Halloween. I know you're on record as uh, enjoying fast food, as we all do. What from the Say Anything segment stuck out to you? Do you have any takes? Yeah, I mean, I it, I don't have many takes on the segment, but I do have an admission. I've never seen any of the Peanuts specials, any of the Peanuts movies. Mm. So it was hard for me to even follow what was going on there. I didn't know one of the kids got rocks. I think I read some of the comics as a kid, but it wasn't really popular in my household. All right, so are you aware, let me, like, let me ask you this. Do you know the name of Charlie Brown's dog? Just start going. I'll, I'll start quizzing you. Uh, it's Snoopy, right? Okay. Do you know the name of the little yellow bird that hangs out with Snoopy? Oh, is it is it Wood is it Woodstock? Yeah, it's Woodstock. That's exactly right. Okay. I was gonna Do say you know, Tweety, uh, but I know that's not right. No, it's not Tweety, that's a different bird. Do you know yep. the girl who has the sandals and um, she has a two word name that starts with the same letter? Do you know that one? No. No, I don't know Peppermint that. Peppermint Patty, you ever heard of her? Oh, yes, of course. I've heard all the names. I've heard all the names. Oh, well, you know, you know what Lucy does? with the, There's a sports thing. Yeah, she pulls, sports, the football. she pulls the football Yeah, out. I mean, yeah, she's I horrible. And yeah, Charlie's so, so stupid, he falls for it every yep. time. Yep. Um, I don't think you're missing much. I don't think those things are going to get to my kids' generation. I think they're, they're kind of depressing and slow and heavy, and the animation is nothing special. I think they may be done with my generation, but uh, I don't think their kids are going to be aware of it. What should we be? aware of today, Sam? Well, first up, Kyle, you work a lot of jobs, and some days those jobs blend together. Well, today you had Bill's head coach, Sean McDermott, on Good Morning Football and informed him about the Josh Allen Film Festival here in the basement and then asked him for any recommendations he had for Josh. So here's his response. The Princess Bride, I would would bring up a little bit. Um, And, you know, I would love to add, I would love to see some talk about Vision Quest or... Maybe Ferris Bueller's Day Off or, you know, Top Gun on, on this list. I don't see that anywhere, but uh, talking about movies of, of my of my genre and, and my era, um, I think you got to give some some respect and some love to those three as well. I think he's right, Sam. I think he's absolutely right. And um, I want your thoughts on this. 
So one of our first conversations with, with Josh, he had seen Top Gun Maverick. I don't know if he's seen the original Top Gun. I'm going to guess he probably has. Vision Quest is very interesting. Um, Pepper, come in here for a second, because I, I want your thoughts editorially on this. All right. And I'll go hand up. Vision Quest is a mid-80s movie about high school wrestling with Matthew Modine, who, if you don't know the movie, Matthew Modine's in Stranger Things. He's in The Dark Knight Rises. He's been around for 30, 40 years. Linda Fiorentino, who's most known for being in the first Men in Black movie. But I'll, I'm going to say hand up, Pepper. I've never seen Vision Quest. I just missed it. I don't know it. Never, I've never seen never it. Never seen it either. You've never seen it either? Okay. Never Apparently seen it either. Like I got to... I gotta be honest, I'm surprised that you haven't seen it, given all the other movies you've seen. It feels like a huge, huge gap for you, but um, I have not seen it, just like I haven't seen the, the Peanuts cartoons. Well, that's okay, though, because my question as it pertains to The Basement, do you think that next time we bring Josh in, and this week he's going to watch The Shining... Do you think that maybe, based on Coach McDermott's uh, direction, maybe Josh and I should both watch Vision Quest and then come back like Siskel and Ebert and discuss it? Should we do that? I think that's a great recommendation, especially since he could probably talk about it with Coach McDermott uh, in the facility and leading up to games instead of game planning for, you know, teams. So I don't know if you know this either, but we're bearing the lead here. McDermott, it's the movie is High School Wrestler. McDermott, it was like a wrestling fan. Fiend. He played mm-hmm. college football William and Mary. He was a safety. Everybody knows he played on the same team as Mike Tomlin. But he has records still, like from college, in which he would he he did like eighty dips in one minute, or like he did fifty six pull ups consecutively. Sean McDermott, the Bills head coach, is a twisted steel maniac of gym workouts and calisthenics. To this day, he works out in his driveway. And I gotta think, knowing Sean's vibe and his mentality, it's not to like show off for the neighbors or something, like he's washing his Trans Am in the driveway. I think that's just where he gets a lift in and he likes being outside. But that is why he likes Vision Quest, because he was Vision Quest. That, that's him. And I would be willing to bet right now, we should do a social call out of this, too late. If you were to do a body fat percentage measurement of all 32 head coaches, I'm talking about back in the day, never mind something chemical now or something digital, I mean. Um, they used to pinch the side of your body with this like, uh, like these giant plastic forceps or something, and by that they could tell your body fat percentage, I don't know how, and I can't imagine, that's probably traumatizing for some kids who are a little heavier, but if you were to do that to all 32 head coaches, Sean McDermott would have the lowest body fat percentage of all 32 head coaches. I'm willing to bet on it. And there's some guys in that run, all right? I, I, I understand Sala, McVeigh, O'Connell. Um, I think Staley is probably pretty low. I'm not even going to matter mentioning the guys who are on the other end. We all know them. But I think uh, Sean McDermott would have the lowest body fat percentage. And I bet, conservatively, he's probably like a 43, 44-year-old guy. I bet it's like 12%, which if you, it seems high to you, it's that's, that's a normal person stuff. He's not DK Metcalf, who's like three. I think he's the lowest. Sam, am I missing anybody? Is there anyone who you think has lower body fat percentage as a head coach in the NFL than McDermott? What about McVeigh? What do you think about McVeigh? McVeigh, listen, McVeigh, uh, I've, we, I, we, we've seen McVeigh shirtless. He was in his pool on Hard Knocks. McVeigh gets mm-hmm. the workouts, and I know this. Uh, every morning he goes in and works out with the Rams trainer. Like he gets it in, and he can lift, and he is very strong. I don't know how shredded he is. Like I think he is a little bit thicker build. 
but he's in the conversation for sure. I'm pulling up the other head coaches, but I'm telling you, Bills fans or anybody listening to this, tweet at KB Basement as you're <laughs> listening and watching in the show if you think that, oh my God, no way, this person's definitely more shredded. Again, I, I, I get, you know what, here's, a, here's an idea. Someone who might have lower, bo- lower body fat than McDermott, Mike McDaniel. Just because he's so thin. Yeah. I don't know if he's got the muscle, but what do you think? Maybe lower. That's that's a really good one. That's a really good one. He's got to be he's got to be the thinnest head coach, right? There's there's got to yeah. be no one else. I mean, Pete Carroll. I mean, I know he's getting up there, so it's probably dip, but young Not bad. Pete Carroll, maybe Pete Carroll. Not bad. I, I don't yeah. I don't mind Pete Carroll now. Like he's just still like the same body type. I feel like he's thinner yeah. than when he was at SC. This is God's work. I, I wish this. We, <laughs> usually every show we hit one topic where I actually say. I could spend the whole show talking about this. This is that topic. I never mind the bear versus the shark. I like that ghost body fat percentage. <laughs> Tweet us, please. I want to continue this tomorrow. We can do it for what's hilarious. Sam, what else is in the what the brand awareness? All right. Next up, the Broncos are in London to take on London's team, the Jaguars, and Russell Wilson, who is dealing with a hamstring injury, oh, told man. reporters that he spent yeah. four hours of the eight-hour flight working out and rehabbing. He said he was doing high knees in the aisle while his teammates slept. Kyle, your thoughts. Give me a minute. Let's just, everybody just chill for a minute. Everybody watching this, just take back, sit back and relax. I saw this tweet. Here's where I come out. He's been injured, right? Now, if he wasn't injured, this is maybe the best Russell Wilson story we've ever had, ever in that he just wanted to be a leader and is so about that grind. (laughs) The stretching is one thing. The high knees up and down the aisle while your teammates are sleeping is so bleeping funny and so on brand. But let me stay on course. If he wasn't injured and he was running high knees up and down the aisle just to get a workout in, the world would explode. It would be one of the most ludicrous stories ever. Remember there was that story about uh, <laughs> Kawhi Leonard that he sat down at team dinner and ate a whole bag of apples? <laughs> this would be like that. And it turns out I think that story wasn't true. But I have to, to stay focused here. He has been injured. So if he's going to play in London and you have the idea with the effects of the altitude and the recycled air and everything as you're trying to recover and he's stretching... Okay, that's, you know, that's, that's not only not cringy, that's cool. He's like, I can use this time to better myself. That's the stretching for sure. The, the high knees up and down the aisle, if, if, if that's going to help him recovering it back in the field. Listen, I've been very strong in my opinions of Russell Wilson about how inauthentic he is and how he does everything for show. And you might have heard my opinions on that. A lot of people have. I'm usually the guy. I'm not pouncing on this. This is, this is low-hanging fruit in the crush Russell Wilson deal. Listen, if I'm on that team, I'm trying to put myself in their shoes. If I'm Cortland Sutton, really good young wide receiver, or I'm Jerry Judy, or I'm anybody, and it's it, I'm flying across the Atlantic, and I'm all tucked in, and I got my headphones, and I got my sleep mask, and I got my blanket, and I'm just getting my rests, and I just keep hearing this, like, what is that? Is that the flight attendant? It's like, what is, is there a problem? Like, Somebody running on a plane is, is disconcerting usually. And if I sit up and I just peel back my sleep mask and pull off one ear of my headphone and that thing that awoken me 
And that thing that alarmed me is Russ not running up and down the hallways, the alleyway, the aisle. He's high kneeing up and down the aisle. <laughs> the full on like knees, touch your hands, get them up, get them up. Because now I'm starting to snowball with it. I, I don't know what I'm thinking. Yeah, I'm just like either, are you thinking A, yeah. That's my quarterback, and he wants to get back with us so badly and fix this thing and right this ship, and man, I'll go to battle with that guy. Or are you thinking like, dude, sit down. We are trying to sleep. Are you out of your mind? Sit down. Because let's be honest. Let's go further with this. You and I both know that if Russ is up on the plane, 33,000 feet, and he's doing high knees up and down the aisle, it's not just that. There, there, he is saying something. He is doing either motivational phrases or song lyrics, maybe. But there's a vocal component to it because all it, it, if it's truly performative, it wasn't on the plane. I don't know, and I don't know his exact medical status. Maybe the team doctor said, "Russ, we need to get you moving around the plane." I know it's weird and awkward, and I know your teammates are trying to sleep, but I really recommend you do it. Then fine. God bless you, Russ, and I mean that. But if it's just him, look, I don't, I, I doubt that the offensive coordinator last year when he was with Seattle told him, Russ, I really recommend you go out there in the field by yourself and be, be in a make-believe huddle and run a fake two-minute drill while the camera's on. I really, really think you should do that. Oh, okay, thanks, Coach. I wasn't going to. That would be kind of strange and disingenuous and just makes me feel like I'm just playing for the cameras. But if you say so, Coach, I'll do it. We need answers. And this, the, the other Broncos players will be asked about this. I need some truth. Somebody leaked something. Because if he was doing it to get better, fine. Unless he was told specifically by the doctor or trainer, you must run around and not only run down the aisles, do the bleeping high knees. I mean, where they're jumping jacks. Is he burping? Is he doing lotus pose in the laboratory? There's a lot of more places I could go with this, but the show's getting long. I have thoughts on working out on an airplane. But Sam, what else is in Brant's awareness? I do have a quick follow-up question for you on this. What do you got? Go on, why not? What does it say to you that this wasn't a report that he said that he did this? It kind of actually reminds me of what you said about Tywin Lannister a little bit. You know, he's Mm. the one telling you that he was doing this. Does that change how people should view this story? (laughs) I, I just looked at a tweet and it's just from some random person, not from a journalist. And it's someone retweeting it. And it's cracked me up because this person says, As a lifelong Seahawks fan, I'm going to say this one last time. I love and appreciate what Russell Wilson did with his time in Seattle, but (laughs) I feel like so many Seahawks fans are starting all their thoughts like that. Um, There there is, is, uh, I know this is a douchey thing that I'm doing. I don't care. There is a famous Seahawks fan who is like a celebrity. And... He, this person, he came on one of the shows I worked on once, and so I know him a little bit. We don't hang out or anything. But after I had said that Russell Wilson was disingenuous, he sent me a, an email, in fact, a few emails, <laughs> just pictures. And this is a big, big, big-time Seahawks fan. Seahawks, relationship, Seahawks fans' relationship with Russell is really interesting right now. It's just like your ex that you had a great time with, and maybe it's even your ex-wife. Maybe you were even married. But then... You like go on their Instagram and you're like, 
what are they doing? I don't even recognize that person anymore. Or maybe I do recognize them and they got a new someone and lots of luck, buddy, with them. If the report comes from Russ, Sam, to answer your question, then it's definitely much more of this see how hard I'm working and look how incredible I am. I mean, this is the guy, he did say he had Wolverine's blood. Like, it's, I don't know. I, I, if I'm pushed, and I kind of feel like it's what you're doing, Sam, I'm going to go even harder on Russell Wilson. I, I'm on record. We will continue to track the Russell Wilson uh, disingenuine factor throughout the season. But until now, high knees are going the Russell Wilson Hall of Fame for his type of deal. What else do we have? My God. <laughs> Sorry for pushing you. Today is the 38th no, anniversary. Job. <laughs> Today yeah. is the 38th anniversary of the release of The Terminator. The great Twitter account All the Right Movies reminded us that Sylvester Stallone and Mel Gibson turned down the role. Kyle, can you even imagine uh, the role for The Terminator? But Kyle, can you even imagine a world where Arnold wasn't The Terminator? Well, I can, and I'll ask you, Sam. Do you know? Do you know the answer? Because this is a this is a lot of people know this. It's been talked about a lot, but I think maybe some people don't. Uh, NFL Hall of Famer who was given and offered the role or was going to be the Terminator. Do you know the answer? No, no, I do not. You don't? Oh, no. James Cameron's been on record about this a million times. Think about this. This is the mid-80s. There was a guy who was really cool, re- really charismatic, really good looking. Uh, he was a former Buffalo Bill. He went to USC. And oh, then things OJ. went really different direction. O.J. Simpson was going to be the Terminator. I'm not making that up. And yep. James Cameron that's, has this quote about it where he casting. says... OJ is, I, I wanted to give it to OJ because he was doing these movies now, and I'm not, I, you, can, you can look up this quote. James Cameron says, um, I ended up not going with OJ because OJ was so likable and so charismatic that I couldn't picture the audience buying OJ as a cold-blooded killer. And that's a real <laughs> quote. It's not me making a joke. And he took the role away from OJ uh, because it's just like, and, and I know what he's getting at. OJ was a national treasure. OJ was, was, was apple pie. Everybody loved him. And he was super charming and charismatic and amazing. And it would have been weird seeing him do the Terminator and the Sarah Connor. I don't buy it. OJ's way too likable. And then, let's see, you said it was 84. And then all, you know, that 10 years later it was 94. And we know what happened. We're on the 405 with AC and he's got a blonde wig and a bunch of cash. I and mean, we, we don't need to get into the OJ chase right now. But that he was supposed to be the Terminator. And so... Yes, and also the idea, I'll go a step further in this. I'm a big Terminator guy. The first two movies only. Um, Schwarzenegger was loath to be the Terminator, and he's like, no, I want to be Kyle Reese. I want to be the Michael Bean part. Like, I'm, I'm going to be the hero. And it would have been a terrible mistake, because the idea was Arnold was becoming a big star, and the Terminator has, like, um, maybe nine lines of dialogue in the whole movie or something, and maybe it was his agents were saying... No, 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 Arnold, this is terrible. This is career suicide. Why would you want to do this? This kind of unproven director who's doing this sci-fi thing and you never speak in the movie. Don't do this. you got to be the hero or do some other movie. I said, no, I'm taking it. And uh, that was it. The other thing I'll add about that, Arnold, I know a lot of nuggets about this. Arnold wanted the line to be, I will be back. He said, I don't think that a machine would make a conjugation. I and will will be I apostrophe LL. He says, you know, uh, James, I, I don't think, I think I should say I will be back because I'm a machine. I will be back. And Cameron was basically like, yeah, great. Say I'll be back. <laughs> Cameron, notoriously difficult to work with. He was really young back then. So that's why the line became, I'll be back. 
And I have to say, I think Cameron, as usual, was right. I will be back. Not the same ring. But Arnold did have a point. The more robotic way to say it is, I will be back. That's it. Um, yeah, that's it, Sam. OJ, I thought you would have known that. A lot of people knew that. Uh, and it's, it's just been joked about a lot and memed about. But it actually is true. As soon as you said it, it, it did it did jog something. Sure. But uh, definitely should have known that one. But uh, that's all I got for you, Kyle. That's all there is oh, to it. be aware about in the whole world. That's it. Do you feel cool in that Jet shirt? No, I feel miserable and cool for about two more games, maybe, and then it'll all go no, south. No, you feel great. What are you talking? This is an <laughs> awesome time. This is, and you got it buttoned all the way up. Just ride this out. I didn't mean to, to try to troll you. I think it's cool you got the Jet shirt on. Well, they're close to my heart. They are. Let's go, buddy. Pat's week this weekend. That's Sam Pepper. That's it. Jets That's play the it. Patriots twice in the next three games. It's like it, it's on right now, officially. All right, we got to end this show. It's getting really long. It's going to take forever to get out. Let me go to the sky cam. Let me get a dart. If it was up to me, I, I, shoot. There's a lot of topics today I would still be talking about. Uh, but here we go. You know how I throw this thing? Whatever topic it hits or whatever number it hits, there's a corresponding topic. And here you go. That's number 20. Number 20 out of 20. What do you got? What's my topic? The, uh, movie that always makes you cry. Huh. Okay. Movie that always makes you cry. I cry a lot of movies. Um, I'm a crier, just generally. And then it's exacerbated a lot by, I feel like these days, a lot of times when I really watch the most movies are when I'm on a plane. And I've had a bunch of long flights in 2022. And I have another one coming up next week because I'm going to go to Germany for the NFL. So I'll probably watch movies. And there's something about the altitude or the confinement or, you know, the, the star quarterback doing high knees up and down the aisle that when you're on a plane watching a movie, like the emotions just come out. I mean, I, I'll cry during the like a Matthew McConaughey movie when I'm on the plane. It doesn't matter. I'll cry during How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. I'm just sitting there sobbing. But the movie that always does... Um, I don't watch this movie a lot, but the movie... The, I remember the first movie that did. And um, it was Boys in the Hood. I really, really, really was upset when they kill Ricky at the end. And um, I just really was moved by his story. And he was going to go to USC. And he had a baby. And his mother was there. And the, I just couldn't believe it. I was really young when I saw the movie. I was, you know, pubescent, I think. And... I just couldn't believe it took the turn. I, I didn't really know, didn't know movies did that, where they had that kind of like gut-wrenching, rip-your-heart-out ending. I figured it would all just kind of end kind of happy, and that was not the point of the movie. But when, he, when you know, Cuba, Ricky! And then the guy in the black car with the double barrel just, oh, man. Ricky should have zigzagged, of course. But it just destroyed me. And I loved football, and, you know, I, I kind of had dreams like he did in my own way, or I wanted to go play college football and all that. And I felt like, you know, it was... I just really felt that, and it just killed me. Terrible, terrible, very, very sad movie. And then, you know, Doughboy gets revenge at the end, and Lawrence Fishburne, oh, you big man now with a gun. It's just a great movie, but terrible, terrible, sad part. That's it, terrible, sad ending to a really fun show, but that's okay. Um, I'll be back tomorrow. We're going to talk about the topic of the day. Which NFL head coach do you think has the lowest body fat percentage right now? October 26, 2022. That's it from the basement. See you guys. Love you. Thank you. See you tomorrow.